This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining me this Friday afternoon. It is May 25th, 2018, and you're listening to Invest Talk. Here at Investoc, I try to bring your, I want to hear your experiences, you know, so we can help you and always do our very best with advice or suggestions to make your money grow. I mean, that's what the show is about, really. And the time to get you uh, is, the only way I can get you involved is with questions. So if you send me your questions, send me your questions and I'll be able to answer them. Well, I'll try to be able to answer them. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number. It's Friday, and as always, our newsletter went out to subscribers today. It goes out every Friday. And I'll take a look. I always take a look at some of the news. Well, most of the time I take a look at some of the news highlights for here on Friday afternoon. And uh, I talk about, you know, there's four sections to the newsletter. Okay, four sections. Um, and we'll talk, I'm going to get to it in just a minute, but why don't we go ahead and take a call here. You can call our number anytime you want. You can leave a question, 888-99-CHART. Here's a call that came in earlier. Hey, Steve, it's Carl from Philadelphia. Question for you. On Wednesday's show, you had mentioned not necessarily be wary of bonds as long as you keep them until maturity. But then you said it really doesn't hold for bond funds. Okay, makes sense, but what about uh, funds and ETFs, balance ETFs that own uh, stocks and bonds in them? For example, uh, Vanguard Wellington and Fidelity Balance, which have both stocks and bonds. I have them both in a 403B, so I'm thinking maybe I should not, maybe I should get out of those based on what you said. Also, by the way, uh, do you ever go to the East Coast? Thanks. Bye-bye. I go to the East Coast every so often. Yes, I really enjoy it. I worked in New York City for nine years, and I have very good friends in Boston. And Suzanne, my wife, Suzanne, we were in Atlanta just not too long ago uh, taking in a baseball game. But not too often do I make it to the East Coast. Um, the problem is, when we're talking about bonds, owning the individual bonds, they go from par, they pay you the interest for the length of the bond, and they go back to par, Okay. That's why I like owning individual bonds. They go from par, par value, and par value means what did the bonds sell at when they first sold? And they always sell at what we call par, P-A-R, par, and let's say it's a $10,000 bond. So it's $10,000, that's what it's sold for. You get that $10,000 back when it matures. And if it's a three-year bond, it matures in three years, you get the 10,000. If it's five years, it's five years. And during that time, you collect interest rate, right? Now. While you're holding that bond, interest rates out in the public could be going up. Therefore, your bond, your the value of your bond will go down if general interest rates go up. Okay, and I've explained that before, but if you want me to clarify, I can do that. But just know that the value of bonds go down when interest rates rise. But if you hold the bond to maturity, the actual individual bond, you always goes back to par. So you know exactly what you're going to get. In a bond fund, the bond fund always trades at net asset value. And even though the bonds inside it do mature, go back to par, they do. 
the overall bond fund is always invested in bonds. So if interest rates go up, the bond value, the, the fund NAV, net asset value, will go down and will continually go down as interest rates rise. Now, you're talking about a balance fund that has bonds, some bonds in them and then some stocks in them, and that's a balance fund. Just know that the bond portion of that balance fund sells at NAV. So that part will go down and stay down as interest rates rise. But the stock portion will maybe offset that, offset that if the stock portion goes up. If the stock portion goes down, it could accelerate the fall too. So again, buying individuals' bonds for yourself in your own portfolio, I think is a better way to go. High quality bonds and spread it around. Don't buy one, buy a bunch of them, 10 of them, 15 of them. You know, so, and then, of course, you got to have a big enough portfolio to do that. And then, you know, you got to learn how much the bonds cost. What's the, you know, what, how do I determine the quality of a bond and if it's, how long should I buy, what maturity date should I be buying? And I like to buy a ladder of bonds. And that's a whole nother conversation, what a ladder is. So it's just not as easy, okay? It's just not. Anyways, I really appreciate you joining us this Friday, and I always go through the newsletter on Friday. So the first section, current market conditions section, um, I start off by you know observing the vol volatility has kind of calmed down somewhat in recent weeks. Have you noticed that? And the reason is the the question is why? Maybe we're just accepting more volatility, and since we are accepting it, we are. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that it reduces. We don't worry about it as much, and so we don't swing the market up and down as much. I don't know. No one really knows why. Why did the volatility pick up so much this year from last year? Why do we have so low, such a low volatility last year? So it's hard, it's hard to know. Most of the market this week was driven by what's coming out of Washington, not economics and not earnings or corporation, things happen in corporations. It's coming out of Washington, North Korea, trade, that kind of thing. And that seemed to be what drove drove the market this week, even though there wasn't much driven driven up or down. On the portfolio management section, mentioned Ben Graham and, you know, uh, Warren Buffett studying over, under Ben Graham and what are some of the fundamental principles that both Ben Graham and Warren Buffett uh, use. So, you know, mentioned a couple of books that were out there by by Ben Graham. It's not an easy read, by the way. You know, the books, uh, The Intelligent Investor, Security Analyst. Ben Graham's first book was Security Analyst in 1934, then Intelligent Investor, the more the po more popular book in 1949. And finally, Consumer Watch section, uh, I talked about debt collectors and what the laws are regarding what protects you. And, of course, I always have a couple stock ideas in there, too. You can subscribe to the newsletter at investtalk.com. That's investtalk.com. And there's a money-back guarantee. Just go to investtalk.com to do it. Okay, what financial and investment questions might you have as we get ready to celebrate the Memorial Day weekend? Three-day weekend this weekend. And, of course, I welcome all your calls and all your questions, as long as they're financial. Then, and we call it the listener line. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 888-99-CHART is our number. So our featured talking point, the main talking point, is uh, a silent global economic slowdown playing out. 
the global economy is slowing. Now, I need to be careful what I'm saying here. The growth rate of the global economy looks like it might be slowing. The growth rate is still growing. Okay, I'm not saying that it's not growing. Okay, durable goods reports came out today, and it was a really bad number. It fell 1.7%. Did you see that? But it, that is not even, even begin to tell the story. Actually, it was a good report. Well, how can that be when the top line number was down 1.7%? How to buy a home and pay it off decades earlier. Decades earlier. We'll talk about that. And what not to buy over the Memorial Day weekend. What not to buy. You know, they have all those sales. Not talking about mattresses. But there are things you shouldn't buy over the Memorial Day weekend. Why? And what are those? This is the best talk on financial advisor Steve Peasley. And the clock is ticking. There are now five days, only five days, until our free educational webinar starts. Yes, it's happening live on May 30th. Justin and I will be explaining the power and use of fundamental analysis and technical analysis. We're putting, we extended it to an hour and a half this time instead of an hour like we've been doing before. The hour is just too tight. Even an hour and a half, we could spend much longer than that. I know the information will help you. I know it will. It'll help your knowledge. You can watch the webinar and submit questions on your computer, but you must register first at investtalk.com. Best Talk. The moving average is a simple technical analysis tool that smooths out price data by creating a constantly updated average price. Got questions about it? 888-99 chart is how to ask right now on Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey Steve, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to you. ask you about, uh, you had a little discussion yesterday about the price of oil uh, in the recent mm-hmm. past, the last couple of years. Not what happened today, but in the recent past. And you mentioned how it spiked over $100 maybe a couple of years ago very quickly and then, then yes. came down. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, yes. when something like that happens and, it, and it, it rapid, the price of oil rapidly goes up without any sort of coinciding uh, geopolitical event or any disruption in in supply is part of that caused by a short squeeze people trying to cover their shorts that's what i heard sometimes yes uh yeah you know it's easy to see a short squeeze going on in a stock it's hard to see it going on in oil or any other type of commodity but yeah it could be a short squeeze and uh, and gene let me explain that to everybody else what a short squeeze is and I'll use a stock as an example. You know, let's say ExxonMobil oil spikes up to $140 a barrel. ExxonMobil, okay, before that happened, people were thinking that oil was going to go down, and they thought ExxonMobil stock would go down. So they would short it. They would short the stock, meaning they borrow the stock from somebody else and sell it at today's price. Now, they have to give that stock back at some point. 
They sold it at today's price because they hope that it will go down in value and they can buy it back at a lower price and give it back to whoever they borrowed it from. So if they shorted it at $50, they're hoping it goes down to 40, they buy it back and give it back to the guy and they, they make a profit from 50 down to 40. That $10 is put in their pocket. So let's say a lot of people think oil prices are going to go down. And so they short a bunch of oil companies. They short them all. And then oil spike up. All of a sudden, they're losing tons of money because as the price goes up, they need it to go down to make money. If it goes up, they lose money because they got to buy it at a higher and higher price. So Gene is asking, the short squeeze would be, they're being squeezed. This is the terminology used in the marketplace. They're being squeezed because they're losing more and more and more money as it goes up. And so they sell it. I'm sorry. So they go out and buy it so they don't continue to lose more money. They buy the stocks and give them back. But that action of buying the stocks is also pushing the price up higher. And the fear pushing the price is of the stocks when you higher. short something, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that, that you know, your, your, your downside is, is more unlimited. It's, it's not like you can go to zero. If, yep. if the price keeps going up, you lose more and more. More and more. What if it goes to a... What if it, what if the stock keeps going up? What if it doubles? What if it triples? What if it quadruples? Your right. losses could be infinite. That's the fear So that's part. what the fear is. That's right. The yeah. fear comes in very heavy. And so people start to buy stocks. And buy stocks makes prices go up higher. So they're losing even more money. That, that yes, Gene. The answer is yes. Yeah, you could have a short squeeze like that. It happens quite often, actually. And, they, and people do short <laughs> commodities, right? Yes, they do. Yes, they do big time. Yes, they do. And, so, and so it's usually when, when institutions. When a couple of years ago went up to 120 or 140 very briefly, just sort of really yeah. spiked up. Yeah. You think some part of that yeah. might have been due to shorts and maybe exaggerated it? Probably. Probably, yes. Okay, yeah. thanks for Thanks for the call, Gene. Appreciate the call. When, when you're on Investor, when you are, when you are an Investor Insider, you have a lot of opportunities to learn different things. We have simplified reports written personally by me or Justin. Topics like annuities, wills, trusts, retirement programs, life insurance, uh, ETF lists. You can sign up at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, everybody. 888-99-CHART. wish you the best as you take on the challenge of managing your money in a very dynamic marketplace. Invest Talk is here to help you grow your money. We're taking your questions now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. That's our number. Love to talk to you. So, there is what we're talking, you know, it, it is a situation in which the global economy might be slowing. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about the growth, the growth rate of the global economy, not not shrinking or anything like that. And why is that something that might be important to you as an investor? Because you want to you want to be aware of what's going on. If the if Europe, for instance, is slowing down, or if Asia is slowing down, how's that going to affect the rest of the world? For instance, the Eurozone data has missed consensus forecasts 
by the widest margin since a global financial crisis. Okay, so their consensus forecast was missed. Now the experts always, you know, are wrong. So, so missing it is not the same as it the shrinking. It just means that you they were too optimistic about the chances of the growth, how much growth was going to be. But you also have leading economic indicators have dipped recently. Now, that doesn't mean they can't turn around and go back up either. See, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to say that. I'm trying to gently tell you that this isn't that bad, but it is a, a sign that we might be seeing some slower growth. Industrial orders and trade data have softened recently. In Asia, the supply chain has softened. We've seen that emerging markets are more have slowed a bit. And part of that is because the dollar has gotten stronger. Now, I don't think the dollar is going to get much stronger. I don't because we have so much debt. No one is paying attention to any of the any of that right now. You ever notice that? You ever see anything on it? You hear anything on our debt anymore? It's huge. And no one's really... And it's not going to get better under the new budget that, that Trump got got through the Congress. It's going to get worse. So we're not even pretending to try to attack the budget. So that the dollar's gone stronger this year, but it got weak most of last year. But I don't think it's going to go up much more. What what should you take away? What what is the takeaway? Should you start to worry? No, I just think you need to be a cognizant of it. And when we start, if we see a trend of of the weakness continuing over the next over let's say over the summer, then I'm going to start to worry. I'll start to worry. Right now, I'm not worried, but you do have to recognize it is softening outside the United States. Meanwhile, the United States is strengthening. But I have a feeling that's going to start to level out, too. The great thing about our Anytime Listener Line, it never closes. Here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Yeah, hello, Steve and Justin. This is David from Fort Myers, Florida. I was just calling in to show to see what your take is on Archer Daniels Midland, ticker symbol ADM. I just uh, think it would be a good stock to invest for the long term. I'd like your opinion on that. If you could go over the fundamentals and maybe the charts and give me what you think would be a good buy point, I would really appreciate your words of wisdom. You guys have given me a lot of great advice over the years, and I really appreciate your show. Thanks a lot. I'll be listening on the podcast. Okay, ADM, Archer Daniels Midland is, thank you for the kind words, by the way, is a $25 billion company, so it's a big company, processes and markets agricultural commodities and processes oils, oil seed for the food and feed industries. Okay, so it's in the commodity sector, food, commodity food sector, grains and related things. Pays a 3% dividend, which is very nice. It's going to make $3.05, up 25 cents this year, and then up, 25% this year, then up 6 more percent next year to 323. It's a $44.55 stock, and that makes the PE of what, around 17 or so? And the five-year range is 13 to 22. Not a lot of return on equity to 8%. Don't expect much growth. You're not going to get it. This stock is uh, a commodity stock. I think commodities have been done poorly in recent years. 
And you'll note that Archer Daniels has moved from like $38 up to $44 since the beginning of this year. As he started at the very end of last year. But but uh, I think what we're looking at is that's a nice move for this stock. Uh, will it continue to move up? Mm. A lot of that move is probably already built into the price. Great cash flow, just not a really great strong return on equity. You're going to you buy this for the dividend three percent, and because you like the diversification. But commodity stocks have, you know, they they're not consistent. They're very much attached to the economic uh, economic cycle, because when a recession they they fall like a stone, and then they come out of a recession. So the best time to buy them is in a recession. And that's true for a lot of stocks, of course. But it's, it's a good, solid company, and it, the dividend is very well protected, and that's not a problem. I mean, but it probably wouldn't be for me. What's coming up on Talk Monday? Factor investing, an automated approach to beating the market. That's Monday on Talk. But for now, I'm here to answer any of your questions, and our number is 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. Invest Talk host Steve Peasley says, Without using fundamental and technical analysis, you're wearing a blindfold. With it, you have a valuable tool. You can look under the hood. Revenues, income. See the company's management structure, the strength of their business. Learn to transform technical data and pricing trends into an actionable trading strategy. Technical analysis doesn't tell you whether or not to buy a stock, but it can tell you when to buy. Fundamental and technical analysis. Now, we don't promise in an hour you can be a master, but at least we'll get you familiar with what to look at, what to consider, what to do more homework on. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. And help you understand how to use two of the most powerful analysis tools that investors have. Register now on investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com, and click on the investtalk tab. Best Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. As independent financial advisors, KPP is able to scour the marketplace for the best investment technology solutions to help their clients reach their financial goals and stay up to date on their current financial situation. Steve's waiting for your call right now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Steve. Um, I was wondering about Valero. And given what occurred in the oil market today, uh, does this stock have more room to run? No. How's that? that hey, I gave you a straight answer. No equivocation. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. So does that mean sell? Uh, it's already ha I, I I would if it was me. I would because I think oil prices are topped. Now maybe I'm wrong, uh, but this is a refinery, right? Valerio's refinery. Yes. And we are now we're approaching summer. Usually, you know, this time of year is when they do top refineries. 
They're making a lot of money. They're going to make a lot more money. Right? But they know that. Everybody knows that. And that's why the stock is $118, yeah. selling at a 23 PE. And that's a top end of the five-year range of the PE. So everybody's known it. It's done very well. If someone looked at the numbers right now, they'd say, man, this is a great company. I'm going to buy this company. No, because it's already ran up from $60 to $118 in the last, you know, since, what, the middle of the summer last summer. So it's yeah. too late, I mean, to get in. You know, it's too late. Now, yeah. now Will, if you, if you could hold this for 10 years and you would be just fine, okay, you would. If, but if you're if you're asking me, should you get out now uh, and you know buy back later? I think you will get. I think it's topped. I really do. I think you've seen okay. it top. I'm looking at the chart. I'm looking at. Yeah, it's overbought. There's so many si signals on the chart saying me. It, it is. I, I don't know if you notice the relative strength has already dropped below this. Uh, the overbought line. So I, I can tell you, from a technical point of view, it all says it's going to fall. Just tell oh, me. okay. Yeah. Could well, be wrong, Will. I, I, I always yeah. like to reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> okay. 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 Thanks a lot, Steve. But, I enjoy your show. Thanks, Will. Appreciate listening to it. And thanks for the call. I really do. VLO, that's Valero. Great company. Don't, don't. You know, I always worry when I give my opinion on a company, get out of this one or don't do this on that one or buy that one. You know, remember, it's my opinion and I, I not, you know, I'm just like a lot of other experts. I could be off. I'm often wrong. Uh, you know, it's just am I more right than wrong? And I would pretty much assure you that it seems like I am. But I don't want to sound, you know, immodest here. But uh, the, the chart is saying that this is topping. It's topped. And so I think short term, it's gone down. Long term, Valero's a very good company. Okay? It's a $51 billion company. It's big. But it's a refinery, and I think all the good news is already built into price, and it only has one place to go. I think it's going to fall. I don't think it's going to get crushed. It'll probably go back down to like $90 or so. It's 118 right now. Okay. Durable goods report came in today. This is for April. It fell 1.7%. Durable goods are those things that last three years or longer. So usually they're the higher price items. And falling 1.7% is a pretty bad number. But and you know if you listen to the show any length of time, I always say you have to take out transportation of the durable goods report. Because transportation includes those things. Remember, this is the sales, the sales of durable goods. Sales of airplanes and automobiles distort what's really going on in the manufacturing area of, of businesses. Because airplanes cost so much. And this whole fall was due to one company, and that would be Boeing, because airline sales fell 30% for the month. Now you're going to say, oh my, that's not, that's not good. What's going on there? Well, you got to remember that in March, airline sales rose 61%. So that's why you exclude it. If you exclude airlines, we call it transportation. You exclude transportation, which is airlines and autos. The report actually, they were, actually went up one, uh, one percent, nine tenths of one percent. 
nine tenths of one percent. If you call, count what's called core capital goods, core capital goods, it was up one percent. So taking out those numbers shows you the rest of durable goods report was up, and it was up across a broad category, broad category of types of industries. So it actually was a pretty good report, to be honest. It actually was. Let's go to Jerry in Palo Alto. How are you doing, Jerry? He wants to talk about Tiva. How are you doing, Jerry? Yes, sir. I'm back in on it. It looks like it's taken like a, I won't even say a slow climb, but at least a steady climb. And I, I'm wondering if maybe all their problems are gone now and everything's great. Well, I, I will be honest. I bought this. Uh, I, I've, I've held on to Tiva all through in my personal 401k, okay, at the office. I, you know, I took I took the losses for everybody uh, and all the programs, including myself, by the way, and my different programs. But in my personal 401k, I kept it because I felt like, yeah, it fell hard, but I think it's going to come back, and it is starting to come back. And Warren Buffett bought a bunch of it. I mean, millions and millions of dollars of it. So I like it. I still think I think it's I think it's going to break out. I think it's going up. Tiva, everybody. Tiva Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, you own it still, or do you want to buy it? Did you I, you owned it, right? You own it, right, uh, Jerry? Yeah, back in at about seventeen and a half. So feeling good right now. Okay. Yeah, I think you stay there. I think it looks good. It looks good. Um, I would stay with it. I, I'm going to stay with it because I think they'll pump back up their dividend and I think that they're turning the company around. The new CEO will turn this thing around. Appreciate the call, right. Jerry. Thank you. Uh, everybody, Tiva is an Israel developer of generic specialty and over-the-counter drugs. I mean, this was $60 stock a year, two years ago. Fell all the way down to like 12, 13, 11, 12. And that was in November. And now selling at 22. So it took a huge hit. P ratio, by the way, P ratio six. This is a deep value play. And of course, that's one of the reasons why Warren Buffett bought it. Let's go to Matt in Alameda. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Steve. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward hey, to the three-day weekend. Yeah, so am I. So I had a question about the consumer price index and producer price index. Uh, you often refer to these. Sure. Um, and I guess actually it's two questions. My first question is, why do they not move in lockstep? Um, you know, it seems like okay. if the producer price, if the prices on the producers go up, you know, 1%, you know, then they have to increase their prices to, you know, move that cost onto the consumer. So then the consumer price index would go up 1%, uh, or is, or is, are they not in lockstep because there's a spread? And then two, uh, which one do you... Uh, is an indicator for inflation, or are they both? Uh, the, they're both indicators, uh, both a producer and a consumer. They're both indicators of inflation. Um, the reason why they don't move in lockstep is it's not difficult because let's say you're a producer, okay, and you're, you, your input costs, you're, you, let's say you're, you make, I don't know, uh, make something out of steel, and the steel price went up, okay? So, to, so you made this product, you're at the wholesale level, you made this product out of steel. And you now, 
sell it to all the dis distribution distributors out there who actually will distribute it to the consumer. You did not increase your price because you don't want to slow the sales down. Maybe you have enough profit margins or you, or you got more efficient in your production so you don't have to pass along the cost because your competitors are doing the same thing you are. It's all about competition, Matt. So you don't uh, necessarily would, would the have other, to pass. And, and then yeah. would prices going in the other direction for the producer be similar where the producer's price could go down some, but their customers are, you know, sort of used to paying the same price, so they don't necessarily have any incentive to lower their price to the consumer just yeah. because their cost Why would down you? a little bit. Put, your, put yourself, you're the CEO of that company. If your business, if, if you have not that much competition, no one else is lowering the price, why would you lower your price? You would want to make a maximum profit you can for your company. Yeah, they would not. The same sure. thing is true on the opposite side. Yeah. And so it's just not, that's why they're not question. connected. Sure. Uh, well, wait a minute. I'm going to um, have to take a break. It looks like I'm, I'm out of time. Uh, let me take a break here, and we'll pick up right afterwards, okay? Just hold on. If you get some value uh, out of InvestTalk, why not tell a friend? I appreciate it. I really do. InvestTalk is a ready source for answers about any money questions whether it's investing in the stock market or trying to figure out fees for your mutual funds or talk about mortgages or anything financial. You know, and if it, it, we, we'd love to hear from them. Our number is always the same, 888-99-CHART. And if you call weekdays between 4 and 5, we're live. That's 888-99-CHART. Balanced income is an ideal blend of growth and interest. The goal is income. KPP created a strategy designed to accommodate investors who have a lower risk tolerance, but still desire some exposure to the potential growth of the stock market. You can see a complete description on investtalk.com. Ask your questions now by calling 888-99-CHART. Okay, Matt, uh, what was your follow-up question? So my follow-up question is, if uh, the two indexes are not moving in lockstep or there's not necessarily a correlation, then if you see the CPI going up, uh, what is the cause for that if it's not on the back end, you know, if it's not on the on the producer price index? Is it just competitive pressures or I'm sure it's, you know, multiple factors? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very rare that the consumer price index would go up by itself without some pressure coming from the producer price index, from the producer level. Usually, there okay. is a correlation. It's just not, there's a correlation, Matt, just not a, just not a perfect correlation. You know what I'm saying? I see, so, I see. So yeah. a protracted increase in the, in the, on the back end for the producer will eventually sort of, you know, trickle yep. down to the consumer, but not necessarily yep. right away. They could, they could have cushions, for, like as you stated earlier. That's right. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly right. It's usually not a perfect, it goes up 1%, we charge more 1%. Nah. And it's usually a delay. You know, it's not always exactly the same. So, yeah, good questions. Appreciate sure. the call, Matt. Thank you. How to buy a home and pay it off in decades earlier. It's not that hard. Uh, 
I'll even give you an example of how I did it. But, you know, first of all, buying a house. problem with most people is they buy more house than they need. You overbuy. You are talked into buying something nicer than, you, than your budget. Don't do that. Stick to your budget. I mean, that's one of the problems. Now, but if it, the paid off earlier, all you have to do, all you have to do is put more money toward the mortgage every month. That's it. How much mortgage? Well, I had a 30-year fixed on my, this is my second home. Um, I had a 30-year fixed on it. And I figured out if I, what, how much money do I have to pay monthly to pay it off in 10 years? And I figured it was about $500. And it killed us because we didn't have that kind of money. But we made, it, we, we made a commitment to do it. And that really is the whole truth about this, about paying off your mortgage. Commitment. You can do it. You just have to be committed to it. You know, uh, and if you're not, then it's not going to ever happen. You pay extra. Some people do it this way. They pay every the mortgage every two weeks instead of once a month. Some people just add $100, $200 to the mortgage payment every month. And if you're going to do that, I would suggest you, if you're going to do that, you do it in a separate payment. But you can just add to the one payment if you want. Just make sure that they apply it to to the principal, not to, you know, the interest. Apply that extra $200 or whatever it is to the principal. Because really, that compounds over time. Just like, if you ever, have you ever sat down and figured out your 30-year fixed mortgage, figure out how much money that is a month, times 12 months a year, times 30 years, and then understand how much money you're actually paying for that loan? It's two to three times the loan amount. That's why you want to pay toward the principal soon. Because almost all your payment, when you first get a 30-year mortgage, almost all of it, almost almost 100% of it at the initial payments are interest only, not taking down the principal. If you can take down the principal faster, you'll have that, pay, that mortgage paid off much faster. Friday's Invest Talk is almost over, everybody, but we have got time for a couple more calls. So give us your money question now. I'd love to hear it. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. If you're quick to the phone, we can sneak in another call or two. Factor Investing. An automated approach to beating the market. That's Monday on Invest Talk. But now, if you've got a question for Steve, he's ready. 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, fellas. This is Manuel from Florida. And I had a quick question about the stock market. I was wondering how a company's stock gets its value. Because I see a stock, for instance, like AutoZone. Its shares are over $600. Then you have someone like a Walmart at $84, a Coca-Cola at $42, $43. And I was just wondering how it gets its value. I'll be listening for the answer. All right, thank you. Bye. 
Okay, basically, that's a very good question. I mean, people probably don't give it a lot of thought, but what makes what makes a Berkshire Hathaway worth $143,000 or whatever it is? I don't even know what the stock price is at Berkshire Hathaway. Per share. Okay, it all comes down to this. Earnings. It comes down to earnings. It's always a multiple of earnings. For instance, AutoZone is going to make $50.54 a share next year. The stock is $633. The stock could split six for one to make it a $105 stock or so. And then that means six more times earnings. Therefore, the earnings per share would be divided $50 divided by six, right? So now the earnings would be, you know, $9 a share. So it always is about earnings. What multiple of the earnings is the stock worth? Okay, nine times the earnings. Remember, this is what I talk about. When I say the P.E. range for the last five years is from here to here. What's P.E. range? The price of stock divided by the earnings of the stock. So sometimes people value the earnings very high. Tech stocks get a value, very high valuation. Sometimes it's very low. Uh, steel stocks and basic industry stocks usually have a low earnings. But many times, is why tech gets high and why steel gets earnings usually results because of the growth rate of those earnings. The faster it grows, the more investors will reward it by have, giving it a higher P.E. ratio price-earnings ratio, and a higher price stock to the earnings. But it's all about earnings. That's why Walmart will sell it at one price, and you know, AutoZone sells at another price, and you say, well, there's no relationship here. Yes, it is. It's a relationship of earnings. Earnings and the growth of earnings. Fundamental analysis. It's going to be in our webinar, everybody. Fundamental analysis. Know what your stocks are worth. Know what your sectors are worth. Okay, and know what not to buy over Memorial Day, week, Memorial Day weekend. Don't buy these things. Don't buy autos. Why? Why don't you buy an automobile over the Memorial Day weekend? Because, because the best time to buy is between July and October because new models come out and they're trying to get rid of the old models. It's too early. So you're not going to get your best deals. Laptop computers. Usually, the sales on laptops on Memorial Day weekend are in the older and slower models. Late summer and back-to-school deals are always better. So, wait. TVs, same as laptops, older models. Time to buy TVs is Black Friday. They usually have better deals than in Memorial Day. And finally, power tools. Why? Because you can get a better deal on Father's Day for power tools. <laughs> yeah, there's sales, and there's nothing wrong with the sales. I'm not saying there's that, but if you're looking for a better deal, there's just better times to do it. It's as simple as that. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. We are into our three-day weekend. Remember, uh, there will be no open market on Monday. So, generally speaking, have you noticed over the years 
that before any three-day weekend, the market usually is weak the day before the three-day weekend starts. That's because people, investors, don't like to hold stocks over the weekend. Just the way it is. That's it for today, everybody. I leave you with a reminder that it's not too late to get my assistance with your portfolio. I'll be in San Jose on June 6th. To reserve time for your personal review with me, go to investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, dot com. I'm Steve Peasley. Justin and I thank you for riding along with us this week. We've scheduled a Best of Invest Talk program for Monday, so I'll be back live on Tuesday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.